0: Well, hey hey! What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Amazing Seller Podcast. This is episode number 451 and session number 139 of Ascot. This is where I answer your questions here on the podcast, and I do it every single Friday. And I'm back to do it again. And man, let me just say, I am really excited today. A little bit more than usual, if that can even happen. I mean, we're in the holiday season. I always get uh, you know a little bit more happy during the holiday seasons. It's just It's just a fun time. My father just visited for about two weeks, so I got to spend some really good quality time with him, and if you guys missed that video uh, that I shot with my father talking about what it was like to raise me and really how how it's been raising an entrepreneur because he didn't really realize it, but that's kind of what he was doing. And uh, I'll give you guys the link here in a minute where you guys can go check that out if you want to. But it was a lot of fun, and uh, you know, it's it's funny. Whenever I do stuff like that, like I've had my father on the podcast a couple of different times, and it's just kind of fun to go back in time a little bit. But it's also cool for me because I'm documenting a conversation that I'm able to have with my father, who's still here, and I'm so fortunate for that, and to be able to, to, you know, kind of document that, and I can always go back and listen to that, just like a whole movie you could, and that's kind of how I look at these little interviews that I do with him, or a video that I do with him, and uh, this most recent one was kind of cool, because we, we went back in time, and and uh, kind of went through some of the stories of me growing up and and kind of uh, how I got the entrepreneurial bug. Uh, so uh, anyway, yeah, that was really fun. My daughter just turned ten, which is pretty awesome. Uh, and I'm feeling a little bit older saying that, and you know, it's sad. And my wife and I are like, oh my gosh, she's turning ten, but then I have to stop and say, yeah, but we're able to enjoy it. We're here where there's another chapter. Like we, we kind of keep talking ourselves, uh, you know, out of being, uh, down in the dumps because our kids are getting older and we love our kids. And we, you know, a lot of people say it's funny, like, Oh, can't you just wait until you're like just you and your wife and you're like empty nesters. And it's like, no, not really. I, I enjoy the hustle with the kids. I really do. I enjoy going to the baseball games, the basketball games, uh, the recitals, uh, all of that stuff like I enjoy that stuff so so much and family to me is so important and I think you guys know that by now if you guys have listened to the podcast for any amount of time uh so anyway that's why I'm fired up the holidays are here fourth quarter's here Amazon is crushing it for us uh, our new brand we're doing amazing we just uh, we just did a recap uh on uh I think it was the last episode you probably want to go in the show notes of this episode which is 451 and uh, I'll put all the links to everything there but a lot of stuff's been happening this month and uh Yeah, just really, really excited about that. So today, what I'm going to be covering are a few questions that were submitted by you, uh, which one of them is my sales vanished. Like I was getting sales, maybe three, maybe five sales just launched going good for like three, four weeks, and then sales just disappeared. And I'm not quite sure why we're going to talk about that. The other one is. Uh, They wanted suggestions on how to narrow their market. They think they might be too wide and they might not be able to position themselves as being different and they wanted to know how to do that. So I'm going to talk about that. And then the other one is, should I build an email list if I only have one product? And if that one product doesn't really lend itself to other products, it's a great question. We're going to answer that one today on today's episode. All right. So that's what we're going to be talking about. Now, if you guys have a question that you want me to answer on an upcoming Ask Head over to TheAmazingSeller.com forward slash ask, and you can do that. You can ask a question. Just leave your first name, where you're tuning in from, and uh, a brief question, and I'll do my best to answer it here on an upcoming show, all right? The show notes, like I said, can be found at TheAmazingSeller.com forward slash 451, And uh, you can grab all the links, the show notes, and there's going to be a lot of show notes here because or links that is because there's some episodes that I want to link up to Uh, the past episodes, my father's interview that I just did with him on video. I'm going to link that there. And then also uh, there's going to be uh, all of the resources that we've done this month, really. And we've we've done a five part private label roadmap series through the podcast. So that's all there for you guys as well. So you're definitely going to want to probably go and check out these show notes, all right? So one thing that I want to discuss here before we jump into today's first question, you guys know that I like to share my thoughts, kind of like what's happening, kind of like mindset stuff, all of that. Well, what I want to talk about today, and I just, I kind of alluded to it before, was with my father, right? It's like he raised me as an entrepreneur and not even really knowing what he was doing. What I want you to do, and this is what I'm doing right now currently as well, is keep in mind that you are being watched, right? Now, let me explain. This isn't like in a in a really like, uh, you know, scary way where someone's watching you like, oh boy, someone's looking over my shoulder. Now, it can be a little scary because your actions are probably being watched by Maybe people in your life could be your wife, it could be your children. And that's really what I want to talk about. If you have kids, like they are watching you. Like I watched my father. I watched my father struggle. I watched my father never really complain, but go out there and bust his butt, work two, three jobs to make it work. And back then, you didn't really have the opportunities that we have today to go out there and build a little online business like we're doing here. Like, didn't have that stuff. The only way that he could make money was to actually go out there and work more or do extra jobs. And then I watched him build his own business from scratch. And I watched how it started with him just in a little pickup truck to then hiring a bunch of people, including myself and building that into a, you know, a a few million dollar a year business. Like I've watched all of that. Okay. So right now I'm looking at my children. I'm looking at my 10 year old. I'm looking at my 19 year old. I'm looking at my 22 year old. All of them have been raised in an entrepreneurial household. Okay. Some people are pushing college from day one. I've never done that. Now, I'm not against it, and you're going to hear that if you listen to my, the interview that I did with my father. My son, who's 19, college is the right choice for him right now because he's going to be a physical education teacher. He needs four years of school, okay? Plus, he wants to still be involved in sports, so it's the right fit for him, but I never pushed it on him. I gave him the opportunity, okay, but... I still gave him the choice to do what he wanted to do. But I showed him what I'm doing just by doing it. But I never said, you have to be an entrepreneur, okay? My 10-year-old is coming to me with ideas. Hey, Dad, there's this great idea I have for a candy cane holder. Like, maybe we make this little rubber thing that slides up on it so it doesn't get all of your hands, all sticky, because it's kind of sticky. Like, she's talking about creating products at 10 years old, okay, because she's been raised Around that, like she's watching and hearing and listening to what we're doing. She she knows what private label means. She knows what FBA means. She knows what e-commerce means. Like all of these different terms that we're just throwing around at will. It's kind of like raising someone in a house that you speak another language. They're going to automatically pick up on that language. It's just going to happen because that's all you're doing. Okay. So I just want you guys to be aware that you are learning through What you are, your kids are learning through what you are doing. You're also learning by teaching them, but they are learning by watching what you do. So pay very close attention to what you're doing and how you're reacting to it. Like if you're one that's just going to complain all the time and say like this life sucks. Sorry to, you know, kind of say it like that. But like if you're just going to be that way, that's how your kids are going to be. It's just the way it's going to be. Like they are going to probably be like that because you're raising them that way. But if you're always like, you know what? That's no problem. I'm just going to get over that. I'm going to bust through that barrier and I'm going to do it. I'm never going to give up. There's That's not an option for us. We're, we're winners, right? Like that attitude, okay? So I just want to kind of throw that at you to give you something to put in your mind when you are going through these ups and downs and to also think to yourself like you're not just... You know, you're not just doing this for yourself. You're you're doing this for other people that are watching you. And this doesn't necessarily have to be your children. I know some people don't have children that listen to this, but, you know, maybe you have other people that are watching you that, you know, look up to you. It's kind of like people looking up to you that aren't where you are yet, but they see how you deal with certain things. So that's really what I wanted to share with you because I really now realize after these, you know, 22 years of raising kids that they are a product or a creation of what you have, what you have showed them and what you've shared with them. And I think if you understand that, you also know that what you're doing isn't just affecting you personally, but it's affecting the people that are paying attention to you. All right. So just keep that in mind. And, you know, when you feel like, you know, having a long face, maybe bring it the other way. So this way here, you know, that, you're showing them that you can do this thing and you're not gonna get down on yourself. Like just positive energy. I can't stress that enough. Positive energy is big, all right? So guys, if you wanna watch that video of me and my father, you can head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash dad, D-A-D, and go check that out and uh, let me know what you think. I'm curious to see what you guys think about that. And let me know on on that video, if there's anyone in your life that has inspired you or or kind of shaped you into the person that you are today in business and just in life in general. I'm just curious. And you know what? Maybe give them a little shout out. Give them a little love. Call them up or send them an email and say, hey, Thanks for showing me the way. Thanks for making me who I am today. Uh, I think it's really important to do that. All right. So guys, all right, let's go ahead. Let's get, let's get rocking and rolling. I know you guys are ready to go here with the Ask Scott stuff. So let's go ahead and listen to today's first question and I'll give you my answer. Let's do this.
1: Hi, Scott. My partner and I have started an Amazon business and we've been selling for almost two months now and this is our first product in our sales have been pretty good. We've probably sold about three or four units a day. We've had a spike up to 11 units. But then all of a sudden, two weeks ago, for no reason, the sales just dropped to zero. We did a best deals campaign with Amazon and thought that might be beneficial, especially around Black Friday. But that actually worked to our disadvantage, it seemed, because the sales completely dropped. So we're really kind of stuck. We've been doing a PPC campaign and looking at how we can modify that to and what we should change. But it's as a newer seller, it's hard to understand all of the data. We've been pulling the reports, but we're just kind of taking guesses at this point, listening to lots of podcasts and and different people about um, strategies. But just wondered if you had any advice or if you had any tips on what we could do and what we should be looking at to make um, Some changes so that we can start to see some sales again. Thank you. Well, hey Sue, thank you
0: for the question, and uh, I got your name from the email that you sent, but you didn't include it in the voicemail. But that's okay. I'm gonna go ahead and answer it anyway, uh, guys. If you are asking questions, please just put your first name in there so at least I can address you by first name. Luckily, Sue, uh, Sue's name was attached to the email that came through with the voice message. So anyway. Sue, congratulations, number one. I want to say congratulations because you took action, all right, and you are launched and you have a product that is available for sale. That's usually the first hurdle. So I applaud you for that. Now, it sounds like things went really well in the beginning. I'm curious, and this is something that would be nice if we were sitting in that coffee shop like I like to do and kind of have that conversation because then I would ask you, I would say, What did you do to launch? Like, how did you get those initial sales? Did you have an email list? Did you just run straight pay-per-click? Did you reach out to an influencer? Like, what did you do to start getting sales? Or did you just put it up and it was optimized and boom, you got some sales? Uh, Did you have someone write a blog post about it? And that could have been the reason why you had a few sales there for a short period of time and then that traffic source went away. So there's some of those things that I would need to know to really diagnose the problem. But I'll still give you some things to do or things to think about. Number one, I would start straight pay-per-click. And I know that you're doing that right now, but I would go aggressive with it. Because I want to see number one, if I can get in front of the right audience, am I going to be able to get those sales? So that's number one. So I I would just find the obvious keyword. If it's garlic press, then I'd go after garlic press. I would spend, you know, kind of whatever it took in a sense. Let's just use a a number. I would spend a hundred bucks and I would just see if I can convert with that keyword or if I can get the attention. Because if you can't, if you can't convert with the obvious keyword, it's going to be harder for the other ones. Okay. Hopefully that makes sense. So that's what I would do. Number one, I would just use pay-per-click. I'd go after the obvious keywords, maybe five of them. And I would run, uh, you know, a very aggressive campaign. I would bid high so I could get there on page one. Now, one little trick here that my buddy Dom Sugar had introduced me to was, and, and I've done this before, but he said it generally takes around 20 to 30 minutes. And he's and it's, it's true. It does. Uh, at least it has in my experience because we did it almost together live and we kind of uh, seen it work. But if you want to see what it's going to take to be on first page, you just need to spend uh, the budget or not the budget the uh, the you have to give amazon a higher pay-per-click amount than your competition right and it makes sense but what he was saying to do was just go ahead put it up to five or ten dollars even put a cap on it at only 25 bucks for the day so this way here if you get five clicks right away you're not going to be you know spending 150 two hundred dollars you want to cap that and then Instantly, you're going to see if you're if you're optimized. Number one, because you're going to see that Amazon has recognized that you should be uh, you know showing an, an indexed for that keyword, and then also in search. So that's one thing that it does for you. But it also will see what you need to spend to be there, and what your competition is spending. Now, the reason why we're doing this is because number one, I can't really tell you if your product will sell unless we get eyeballs. And right now, you're saying that. Well, you had eyeballs and now the eyeballs are gone away because you're not getting you're not getting the exposure, so you're not getting the sales. So the first problem is really, are we getting eyeballs? Are we getting traffic? So how do we fix that? We pay for traffic and we get it there, and then we see if it converts. So that's kind of how we're we're kind of like reverse engineering what you know what we need to do in order to get sales. And the easiest way is to get in front of the right people, right? I think that makes sense. So what I would personally do is I would do that. I would raise my budget to $5 a click, let's say. I'd cap it at $25. Even your overall account, I would cap at $25. So this way here, you don't go over the 25. Maybe you want to do 50. Um, I generally do about 100 bucks um, because I'm willing to spend 100 bucks to, to get a result pretty quickly. And then I'll put the bid at $5. And then I'll sit and wait for 20 to 30 minutes. And then I'll go ahead and I'll check To see where I'm ranking in the sponsored product ads. So there's a difference between ranking organically and then ranking in the sponsored product ads. And you may even get a first position, uh, you know, right above, almost like a banner in a sense. It's not a banner. It looks like it's an organic. It's just sponsored. You'll see the sponsored uh, little text in there. And then you can say, oh, wow, I'm showing up at $5. But I don't know what it's going to cost if someone clicks yet. You're going to get a click. When you get a click, you're going to see what it costs you. Now, I wouldn't do it off of one click. I would try to get at least five to 10 clicks. That's going to show you the average of what the click's going to cost. And then this way here, you can see, oh, I bid $5 and I'm only showing up in the third position. So now you know that $5 still isn't enough, but you're willing to, you know, you're willing to maybe be in only the third position. But this way here, you're able to get the traffic. That's what we need to do. If we get the traffic and you're still not getting sales, then we have a product problem. Okay, but to me, it seems like you had traffic and then the traffic went away. And if you were only doing organic search, well, things can happen all the time, right? Someone else can come in. You can have five new sellers that came in in the last two months and pushed you to, to, to the second page or the third page. So that's some things to think about. That's what I would do. That's what I would start with. And then this way here, you can start getting that data and you can start coming back. I'm not necessarily looking at the search report rate this second from doing that. I mean, you do have some data, so I would probably start looking through it but I would go right after the five to 10 keywords and I would bid high and I would want to see where am I getting the eyeballs and are these eyeballs my ideal customer? And if they are, and they're not buying, then we have a problem there. So that's what I would do. And then this way here, you can, you can get an idea pretty quickly. You don't have to wait to rank organically. And then if that does work, then you have to decide, is that traffic worth spending even temporarily to get sales so you can rank organically? So I know I threw a bunch at you there, but that's exactly what I would do. And, uh, and I would, I would know the answer probably in about a day. All right. As far as if I have a problem there with traffic and if I get the exposure, are people buying my product? So anyway, so hopefully that helped you keep me posted though. Let me know if you try this and, and, you know, kind of what happens. I'm curious myself. And that's what I love doing about these little experiments is I like getting the results back. So let me know. Uh, all right, let's go ahead and listen to the next question and I'll give you my answer. Hey, Scott. This is
2: Chris calling in from North Carolina. I've been binging your podcast for a while now and have a couple related questions I haven't really seen answered yet. Um, Earlier this year, I launched a new product because I was excited uh, about it and the cause. A portion of my profits go to a specific conservation effort. I don't want to give the specifics, but the brand is centered around that. Um, The three products I launched at the beginning are all in a pretty competitive niche, but are quite unique in that they come in various cute and fun patterns and styles, something people are less likely to search out. uh, But when they see them, they're like, oh my God, that's cute. I must have one or buy it as a gift or something instead of searching for that specific style. Uh, You already know the niche, but for the sake of an example, uh, let's say I have three styles of shoes that I launched, uh, canvas sneakers, leather dress shoes, and fleece slippers. Each one of those has eight to 12 variations. So for example, an animal print, uh, fruit print, bacon print, rainbow print, and so on as well as a a couple solid colors. But that's what I mean by people are less likely to search for a bacon print canvas sneaker, but when they see it, they kind of fall in love with it. Um, I know the first issue that I'm having is that I need to cut down on some of my variations. And that's something I'm kind of working on right now, uh, cutting out some of the ones that aren't selling so well and keeping the ones that are. Uh, But my main issue is that since I'm uh, selling primarily on Amazon, even though I launched my own website on Shopify uh, at the very beginning, because building the brand is really important in this case, I basically ended up skipping the first couple of steps in your blueprint, which is the actual like on Amazon product research phase and just jumped right into the product right away. Uh, needless to say, um, having some issues ranking in such a competitive and saturated niche. Um, so I'm not married to the specific styles, but I, I am married to the brand and the cause. So I could, for example, get rid of the leather dress shoes, but I'd rather replace it with another type of shoe, uh, if that makes sense. So. I guess my question is how do I rank my products in such a competitive niche, um, you know, canvas sneakers, fleece slippers, that sort of thing, uh, especially when my prices are a bit higher than the bulk operations that it tend to make up the top sellers? Um, which actually leads me into my next question. How does someone make a more expensive product attractive, in, uh, in particular when it's a philanthropic company like mine? So I can't put any donation or whatever wording in the titles, but I do have a lot of unique and cute patterns that nobody else has. So how would I use that fact that I donate proceeds to my advantage in this situation um, if there is a way to do that other than I have it in my bullet point? Um, but that's not, you know, I mean, that helps obviously. And in, in when I'm going to be creating my EBC in the near future, yeah, I'll put that in there as well. But I'm not sure if there's much more that I can really do in terms of, uh, you know, showing showing that I donate proceeds. So Anyway, uh, thanks a lot for your time. Keep on keeping on. Uh, you got an awesome podcast, and I'm looking forward to hearing more of it. Thanks, Scott.
0: Hey, Chris. Thank you so much for the question, and uh, I think we're neighbors kind of in a sense. You're in North Carolina. I'm in South Carolina, and I'm not far from Charlotte, so uh, yeah, that's... uh that's uh, pretty cool. We're, we're neighbors. Um, anyway, uh, maybe we'll have to grab a cup of coffee at some point. Uh, and we can do this over coffee. Uh, but I'm gonna do it here for you today. Uh, and I'm gonna give you, from what you've given me, I'm gonna kind of give you uh, my thoughts right off the top of my head. Now, there's a lot of different things that we can discuss here, and we would have to go into the specifics. But number one, you have a ton of variations. I think you already kind of said that you got to cut down on your variations. I think once you launch, I mean, it's kind of exciting because you have this one thing that can have multiple variations and we're talking styles or prints or anything like that. Uh, And then, you know, you can just go for days with variations, right? But we have to figure out like three or four that are going to be the ones that people are just going to buy, right? That's number one. So we, we need to figure that out, okay? The second thing is here is we need to narrow down. We need to niche down or niche down, uh, depending on where you're from. Uh, Everyone says niche or niche differently. Uh, So you have to figure out how to narrow down your market. All right. So if we're talking about, let's just talk about like just a standard sneaker. Okay. It's just a standard sneaker and it just is an everyday wear sneaker. It's very competitive the minute that we niche that down and we go into a basketball sneaker, we've just niched it down one more, right? So we just went one level down. That's just a, that's a broad example, but you kind of get the idea, right? And then from there we can say, okay, now we're going to create a, uh, I don't know, a tennis sneaker that's made for just tennis players. And then we're going to do one for soccer. Well, indoor soccer, let's call it because, well, you can have a cleat, but that's another one, right? We've niched down in there. So it still goes on your foot. It's still a sneaker in a sense, uh, or something that aids you in that sport. So I think, and, and I hope that that's going to help you as far as like figuring out, like in your mind, cause only you can do this. Cause you know what your market is and what your niche is. You have to niche that down. Let's use the fishing example. Like I can create a tackle box and yes, it could, it could work for all different kinds of, of, you know, fishermen. It could work for, you know, deep sea fishing. It could, it could work for bass fishing. It could work for, uh, what's another one, fly fishing. It can work for all of those. But if I want to really call out the market and go after, you know, bass fishermen, then I'm going to create a specific tackle box that's going to be tailored towards just them. OK, so I think you need to figure out what that niche is that would be most likely to be searching for your product. So now it could be instead of just looking for a sneaker, you could be looking for a basketball sneaker. So now we've just niched it down. All right. Or basketball sneakers for kids. So maybe yours. And now we just niched it down again because now we're not we're not serving the the men and the women. We're, we're doing kids. And then we can go even one step and we level, you know, one level deeper and we can go to, you know, babies or infants, toddlers. Uh, so. You see what I'm doing here, though? We need to niche down inside of the market. And then from there, what you can do, and now you can target just those people on Amazon. And then when someone comes across that, they're more likely to buy or to be interested because you are calling it out in your copy and and in in your product that it's made and created for this. Same. let's go into pets. Let's say uh, you created something that was for pets. That's pretty broad. Now we niche it down to dogs. Now from dogs we go into a certain breed. Maybe it's for German Shepherds, or maybe it's for Puggles. Like I have a Puggle. Uh, Brody is a Puggle. If anyone wants to know, it's a it's a Pug and a Beagle mix. Uh, or maybe it's going to be Pug owners. Just Pug. It's a huge community out there. Maybe it's Pug owners. Maybe it's Rottweilers. Right. So all of these, I'm 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 really I'm creating a niche inside of a niche, or I'm sub. We call them sub niches. It's kind of like where you're niching down and you're going deeper. And I always talk about going deeper, even in your product research. And this is another thing to do. Like, again, if you're doing product research and you're going after dog leashes, you should probably figure out another spin on it. So this way here, you're not just people that are searching for dog uh, collar or dog leash. It's going to be specifically for a certain breed or a certain owner that will be searching for that. All right. So hopefully that makes sense. I think if you do that. And the other thing is you talked about like a cause. I think that's awesome. Right. And the the one uh, the one I think that's worth uh, looking into and look this one up. I'll try to find it and drop the episode in the show notes here. Um, But the show The Profit. Okay. The Profit. Uh, with Marcus Lamonis. I love that show, by the way. Uh, But what he does here for uh, this one company who is all about a fundraiser, it's about cancer awareness. And then now they're doing like, you know, clean water. They've really branched it out. Um, But they talk all about uh, creating a product around a cause. And they talk about how they do it. And um, that one there was for flex watches. So Even just go and check out Flex Watches and you'll see how they've created a watch for specific causes. And then from there, they donate a certain part of the proceeds to that. And it does get a little complicated if you're going to do that inside of your listing and stuff like that. You got to be careful. That would be something that you would have to probably even run by Seller Central uh, or Seller Support. Um, But yeah, if you can attach a cause to it, now you're, again, you've niched it down even more. Uh, because maybe inside of that that fundraiser or that cause that you're doing, you are you're niching down inside of a broader niche. So again, I think you have a lot of opportunities here. I think you are in a great place because you have this product that you could target different sub niches. Uh, I think you just have to figure out what one is going to be the best fit and also the one that probably has the most traffic right now. Because if you're doing your research like you would have done in the beginning, what I would have did was I would have said, all right, I want to go into the fishing market, but now let me go ahead and look at the fishing markets that are the, you know, not even the biggest, but the ones that are buying the stuff that I could potentially sell right? Or what do I have a better opportunity in? Maybe bass fishing is flooded with products, but fly fishing isn't. Maybe I'm going to go after that and then I can go into bass later when I start to get some traction. So that's pretty much what I would do. All right, Chris. So uh, keep me posted. Let me know how things work out. Let me know what you do. I'm really curious to see what you do and uh, and hear a little bit more about this. And uh, yeah, I think you're going to do great. All right. So let's go ahead and listen to the last question of today. We can get this thing wrapped up. You guys can get on with your day and get out there and take some more action. What do you say? Let's do it.
2: Hey, Scott, this is Troy. And, uh, this is a question about, uh, email lists. Um, if you're purchasing a product or if you're selling a product, I should say that, uh, people generally are only going to purchase once. Um, how important is it to have an actual email list? Like you're just going to keep bothering them about something that they already bought. Um, yeah, maybe I'm fully off, but, uh, But yeah, and uh, as always, uh, thank you for everything. You guys are awesome. Um, Yeah, totally motivate me, man. Thanks a lot.
0: Hey, Troy, thank you so much for the question. And it's a great question. And I want to clear this up right now. Does building an email list for every person, every brand make sense? And the answer is no. Because if you're selling one product, you're not really building a brand anyway, right? All you're doing is saying, hey, there's a trend here. People are buying this thing. If I put some up, I'll probably sell them. Okay, that's what we call the open brand in a sense, but also in the open brand, we are kind of building little markets or little, I guess, brands inside of the open brand. We're able to test kind of like retail arbitrage. You're able to test a variety of markets. And then from there, you may get an idea that this is something you want to build a brand around. So that could give you ideas for a brand. That's for another conversation. But let's kind of go back to you if this is just one product, let's say fidget spinner, let's use fidget spinner. I mean, I think we can, we can exploit that right now. I think uh, everyone knows about the fidget spinner. So let's just say that you were going to sell a fidget spinner. Would you build an email list around people that are buying a fidget spinner? Probably not. Now, could you, and then offer other things that are related to that, like toy type stuff, maybe? Yeah, you probably could, but I don't necessarily think I would do that. Now, Could you, uh, you know, maybe approach a blogger or, uh, you know, someone on YouTube that? Could that does sell toys, and then you give them a deal on your toy? Yeah, you absolutely can do that, and that would be probably my take because you're not going to build an asset in that market because you don't you don't think you're going to be in that market anyway. So that's what I would do. I would go out there and piggyback off of someone else's list and try to align myself with them and say, Hey, I've got these fidget spinners, and I'll give your audience, uh, you know, 25% off, and I'll you know if you want, you can go through your own affiliate link, and then you can make. So much per sale too, or maybe you pay them a hundred bucks to send it or 200 or whatever, whatever deal you work out with them. But I guess the whole thing here is you're not going to be building a list in that market, right? For the most part. Now, some could argue and say, but that's a novelty item. Then you can just sell them other novelty things. Yeah, you could, but it's not specific enough for me, right? If it was something that you knew that was supporting a certain cause, or like I talked about earlier, maybe you are going to sell Pet items, but they are like maybe you're going into the pug, uh, the pug market, and you're going to sell T-shirts, mugs, you're going to sell bumper stickers, you're going to sell uh, maybe the cover for the Jeep out out back or out on the back of your car that uh, that says you know pug life or something like I don't know like those types of things maybe you could because now you, what you're doing is you're building an audience in that market. See the difference? So we're not just selling a bumper sticker for pugs and that's it. We're selling pug owners stuff. So if you're a pug owner and I send you an email and I'm talking about not just pug products, but I'm talking about how to take care of your pug, how to make sure their nails are clipped properly, uh, you know, how to make sure that uh, you can identify if they have any hip problems and then there's hip supplements that you can recommend. Like That's what I'm talking about, right? But they would still probably be interested in... I love my pug bumper sticker or shirt or mug, right? So again, you see what I'm doing here. You have to establish if it's a fidget spinner, that's not probably list worthy. So hopefully me kind of giving you these examples and anyone else listening, you kind of get how I'm thinking as far as like, is there a market out there that is buying multiple things versus just a fidget spinner? Okay. And I think that's a great example. Actually, the fidget spinner would not be list worthy. Like I said, but maybe building something in a certain breed of dogs is all right. And then you can sell that one product that you have right now, but then eventually maybe others. So again, just some things to think about. Let me know how you make out. Hopefully this has helped you and anyone else listening. Cause I think it's really important that when you're picking products, and I just talked about this on the podcast, I also talked about it on YouTube is really about when I look at even just launching a new brand or even a new product, I ask myself, can there be a brand built around it? And is there a market already out there? Or is there already a community out there being built? And then I know that I could probably build my own and I could probably build my own email list and I can probably sell multiple products. So that's kind of how I think. And I think that you should be thinking if you're... You know, if you're you know, thinking to yourself, you want to build a brand uh, or if you want to go all in on this. Now, if you're just testing, well, then just go ahead and test it with, you know, that one product like the fidget spinner, maybe, and, and see what happens. Now, I wouldn't do that, but, uh, you know, you, you get my point. All right. So, guys, that is going to pretty much wrap up this episode. A couple of reminders. Uh, we've got a lot of resources on this show notes page, so you're probably going to want to go check that out. The amazing forward slash four fifty one. Um, I will drop the video to myself and my father, and uh, you can go check that out if you want, or you can go directly to that at TheAmazingSeller.com forward slash dad, and uh, you, can, uh, you can watch my father squirm a little bit when he's uh, asked a, a few of these questions, and also him to admit that, you know, he's never really been comfortable being in front of people, and uh, for him to do this, it was kind of him stepping out of his comfort zone, so I kind of pushed his limits a little bit there for you, so uh, definitely check that out, love my dad, um, he's he's taught me a lot through the years, and uh, you can watch that if you if you choose to, and, and you know what, let me know, like I said in the comments, uh, let me know on that video if there's anyone in your life that you feel has you know inspired you or that has you know really helped you, and uh, you know even if there's things and lessons that you might have learned that now you look back and you're like, oh, that really taught me this, uh, I'd like to know. I'd, I'd be interested to hear if there's anyone in your life that you feel that you can look back on and go, wow, that person really taught me things without even really knowing that they were teaching me something. I think it's pretty cool. So definitely check that out. All right, guys. Let's wrap this up. Remember, as always, I'm here for you, I believe in you, and I am rooting for you. But you have to, you have to. Come on, say it with me. Say it loud. Say it proud. Actually, my father says it on the video, so go check that out. Take action. Have an awesome, amazing day, and I'll see you right back here on the next episode.